A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. For the past several weeks, I've been in the U.S. and staying with my parents and younger brother. My brother spends most of his time on his computer. I looked over his shoulder one day and discovered that he was playing a video game. I knew immediately that the game was Genshin Impact. So, what you're trying to say is that you fell here from another world? What I didn't know was that he had another tab opened for a different game, created by the same developer as Genshin. This one was called Honkai Star Rail. Look out! I'm not much of a gamer. The ones I am familiar with are Super Smash Bros., Mario Kart, Legend of Zelda, all of which are Japanese games. But I do know that my brother is one of tens of millions of people around the world who are getting into Chinese video games. I like playing Genshin and Honkai because they're both free, um, so that just makes them more accessible. With Genshin, I like the open world exploration. And then with Honkai, I prefer the gameplay because it's turn-based combat. For me, the combat is more like fulfilling because I have to like have like strategies going into fights. Disappear among the sea of butterflies. I play these two more than other games like Smash Ultimate or Legend of Zelda because these two games have like constant updates. Um, so there's always something new for me to look forward to. Honkai Star Rail was released in April this year. It was the biggest global launch of any Chinese video game ever, and it's not the only good thing that happened this year for China's video gaming industry. This is Inside China. I'm Jasmine Se. For a recap of what's happened in 2023 and what we might expect in 2024, I'm turning to my colleague Ann Tao. She's our tech reporter based in Shanghai. Welcome to the podcast, Ann. Hi, Jasmine. Thank you for having me. And let me first start off by asking, how big is China's video gaming market? Sure. So China's video gaming market is essentially the largest. Video game market in the world, if we evaluate by population, so if we look at the official、uh, numbers as of the end of June, we have around 668 million gamers in mainland China. So that was essentially half of the whole country's population. Wow, 668 million gamers. That's like double the entire U.S. population. And do we know if Chinese gamers are playing on their phones, on PC, or on consoles? Which one's more popular? I would say、um, we don't have like clear 
number of how many people are playing on mobile, but that was definitely the most popular um, way of playing games in China. So maybe friends around me or like the, uh, little kids around me, most of them can play video games while they are maybe after dinner or when they we, when we have a like family gathering. And I can see like little kids all playing video games when we're free. But if we value it by revenue, so there's the figures that mobile gaming revenue can account for over 70% of total industry revenue in China's market. Wow, that's a large share of the market. Let's turn to game approvals. In China, games created domestically need to get approved by the country's video game regulator before they're released to the public. You reported that more than 800 domestic games were approved this year. Why is that number so significant? Um, if we compare the number in 2023, over 700 approved in 2021, and uh, more than 500 approved in last year. So the number is like maybe uh, one or 200 less than this year. But that was because um, the situation in China is so different from Western countries. I mean, in the US, if I'm a developer, I develop a game, then the game can be launched when I feel I'm ready. But in China, no. Um, I mean, the person who says yes is not the developer, but regulator. So every single game, if they want to be launched to the market and if they want to earn money from that, they have to submit a game to Chinese agency called NPPA. So that's the full name is National Press and Publication Administration. So that's the agency that's responsible for licensing video games. So they actually control the lifeline of every single video game developer. So, I mean, in this year, we have seen in the first 11 months, there's uh, more than 800 games approved, but there's a like prolonged crackdown over the past few years. So that essentially means if the regulator stops giving the licenses, so there's no way for them to get the games running on the market. So we can see that uh, video game licenses is like a gold dust for developers. And we've been talking about domestic games, but you've also reported how regulators have stopped giving licenses for foreign games, too. This licensing freeze lasted for 18 months, and it finally came to an end last December. What's happened to imported games since then? Okay, so for the foreign games, uh, I mean, the overall situation is that uh, the regulator have a more strict like attitude, more strict regulation over them because they are imported from the Western countries. So they might think whether these games will have maybe Western values or something like political related content. So we can see this year there are more than 50 games um, which have already been approved. And so that was a very uh, significant comparison with the overall 800 domestic games. But still, I would say this year is better than last year because, I mean, the regulators start to resume the game licensing test since last April, but they did not give uh, a single license to imported games until December. So they have to wait longer to get a license, but things are getting better this year. Do we know why more games are being approved this year, both domestic games and imported games? I would say for the NPPA, the regulators, they will never give any official explanation. But uh, if we can go back to 2021 and look at how the crackdown was first started. So they have a like new policy. So that starts to say that we have to limit the gaming time for young people to three hours a week. So that essentially means if I'm under 18 years old, I can play 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Friday, Saturday and Sunday and also some holidays. But I cannot play for more 
more than that. And the regulator said that was because they want to control the way that young people get addicted to video games. So their official thing is that we want to make young children more healthy. We don't want them to be like too addicted to video games, which might be harmful for their health, like eyesight. And in the same month, when they said video game is harmful for children's health, it's from that time that they stopped giving more licenses to video games. So when they uh, suddenly resumed the process in last April, there's no explanation, but last December, so there's uh, some kind of official media that saying that video gaming is no longer a spiritual option for Chinese children, which I mean, the regulator used to claim video game. So they said it is no longer like spiritual option. It is now like an industry of great significance for the whole country. So we can see a significant change in tone. And also the industry association I just mentioned, it also published a report which said uh, youth addiction to video games is basically sold. So that partly explains why um, things are getting better. But um, I mean, from the official agency, the regulators, they will never explain why. Interesting. Youth addiction to video games is basically solved. So the government's narrative is changing now. But besides implementing a ban on how many hours young people can play games, they've also censored certain types of content inside the games. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So Chinese video gaming censorship system is actually part of the licensing system. So when they license the games, they have assessed whether this game can be going to market or it needs more like review or revise. But there's a like self-discipline from the Chinese Video Gaming Industry Association. So it says it can be no leaks of state secrets and there can be no content which uh, endangers national security or damage national honor or interests. And also it cannot promote pornography and also gambling, violence, crime-related content. So that's actually a lot of no's for the video games. They can look at these rules and try to avoid or they can self-censor such content when they are developing such games. But also um, when they submit the games for future uh, license, first there's a local level of reviewer. So he would uh, have give a first view of the content and the game maybe have his initial feedback. When he's okay with it, the game will be submitted to maybe higher level of regulators. So they will also look at whether this content is okay. So if no, they will give their feedback. So procedure is actually quite long. So for a game that could take maybe one or two years to get such a license. I mean, that's not easy thing, especially for small video games, because some of the studios have just one game under development. And if such game cannot have license, they have no money. And and actually, I, I have a friend, she's making a very small game. So she wanted to submit the license, but she waited for more than one years. And because she cannot win approval, so the company that she worked for told her at the end of last year that we do not have enough budget for you to continue this project. And we have to like focus on our like bigger project. So she was essentially laid off. So I mean, that's the same story for many of the Chinese video game players. So they have to wait for maybe years to get approval. And if the regulators say no, then there's no way for them to keep running the game on the market. Wow, so getting that license approved is really fundamental to gaming companies and their workers. And the stakes are even higher for the smaller developers. But what about the bigger gaming companies in China? How have they been doing this year? 
So if we talk about um, video gaming companies, um, we cannot leave alone Tencent, NetEase, Mihoyo. They are all the biggest three players in Chinese video gaming industry. I mean, both NetEase and Tencent, they have seen an improvement in their revenue in 2023. I mean, the two companies are two biggest, most important player for over maybe past 10 years or five years. And Mihoyo is um, relatively a new player. Genshin Impact was launched in 2020. NetEase and Tencent, I think they have seen around 11% for Tencent and around 9% for NetEase in their uh, revenue over the first three quarters. And I think the company executives, when they talk on the conference call after release the earnings, all of them will say this year is a better year because we see more video gaming licenses and also because we have new games which can be launched to the market so we can have a new pipeline. Hmm. You mentioned there are new games being released. What are some of the biggest game releases this year? It depends on whether you play PC or whether you play mobile. So maybe for those who like Genshin or those who like Honor of Kings by Tencent, so they could pay attention to Honkai Stereo. So it is a new game launched by MiHoYo. So um, why it is so popular is that it is in an anime style. Anime style is originally from Japanese, but it has been so successful in China that if we look at maybe the most popular games this year, a large percentage of them will be animated games. And MiHoYo is so good at making such games. So when Honkai Star Rail was launched in April, it immediately caused so many attention. It occupied trending topics on Weibo. And it was also in November that this game was named by iPhone and Google, the two biggest app store as uh, the most popular or best game this year. So there's uh, no such Chinese game can win such an award except for Genshin. So many people will say it's the future of MiHoYo because Genshin have been launched for around like three years. Players will move to new games. So they will say Honkai is the next Genshin. And you mentioned how MiHoYo specializes in anime style video games. Both Genshin and Honkai have anime style characters. People say that MiHoYo's gameplays are also really similar to Japanese games. Genshin is compared with Legend of Zelda, Honkai has similarities with Pokemon. I'm curious, these two Chinese games are so popular, so successful, both in China and globally. Are other Chinese game developers taking a page from MiHoYo's playbook and maybe incorporating more elements from Japanese games? Right, so... A large percentage of Chinese video game developers are trying to like copy the success of Genshin because the game have earned over four billion US dollars. I mean, it is definitely the, one of the top grossing mobile games in the world. So um, we can see uh, many Chinese video game developers from Tencent, NetEase to like small startups are trying to do anime style games in China. And also, I mean, the Japanese culture have also, I mean, there are anime, there are like cartoon games. They already have a strong fan base in mainland China. So that's why it's not a like completely new thing for Chinese gamers. But uh, the thing is, there are so many anime style games on the market and how they can differentiate themselves from others. So I think one of the ways that Genshin has been so successful is that it has its roots in Japanese like culture, Japanese painting style, but also is trying to integrate some of Chinese elements in its games. So, I mean, the game have a big map, so it's an open world. People can play in the world and they can, as they are trying to add Chinese characters, like people with Chinese names, but also like Chinese architecture. My name is Yunjin. It's such a pleasure to finally meet you. And I'd be honored to have you attend a performance sometime. And such efforts has also been recognized by Chinese 
government. So uh, Chinese state media give the award of China's top 30 Chinese cultural enterprises in 2022. So Mihoyo is one of them. And along with it is many like Chinese state-owned companies. So, I mean, as a private company, it's a big recognition from the government. So Genshin is quite successful in both integrating Chinese elements and also Japanese style. So my younger brother is one of the many millions of people who play Genshin and Honkai. But these games are actually really popular among women. Are Chinese game developers targeting this demographic more and more? I would say yes, because if we look at the previous games, traditional video games maybe launched by um, large companies, no matter Tencent or maybe the US companies, many games are actually quite male targeted. I mean, it have a lot of like battle scenes, um, maybe set in maybe in a like battlefield, things like that. So naturally, that would be more attractive for maybe male players. But Genshin is um, part of the games that are more popular among Chinese young women. So take myself as an example. So I'm not playing Genshin, but uh, many of my like female friends, they are trying to play in Genshin. And many of them just they are not attracted by the gameplay, but more of by the like good for like figures and good for like maybe things in the game. And there are also a specific genre called Otome games. That was a game that specifically target for female audience only. So you can see like companies like Mihayo are also trying to develop games in this genre. So they have a game called Tales of Zemus. That was a game where like the player can play the character of a female and they can develop a romantic relationship with uh, maybe male characters. Um, that's also an increasing market in China, and also not only Mihoyo, but also many of its opponents. Um, Shanghai-based studios are also develop such games. So I think, yes, the female games are a rising market in China now. You mentioned otome games. That's another Japanese genre of games, right? Right. So besides these Japanese-style games, what other games are popular in China this year? There's a game that caught my attention. It's a game called Eggy Party from NetEase. Eggy? Eggy? The game is quite different from like traditional games, which are um, maybe um, have like heavy gameplay that if I'm player, I need to deploy a lot of time in playing that game. But it's it's rather casual, so maybe a game can take no more than like half an hour. And it was launched in last May, but it really started to take off uh, this year. So there are some reports that even the Nelly's executives, they are quite surprised at this game because it's a casual party game. So it's a, like, it's a genre that haven't been explored over the past years. So it started to like lead to a lot of discussion, maybe among industry insiders, whether such games can be a new uh, market for video gaming companies. And Tencent is also, they will not like leave the market to Nelly's long. So it is also having a similar product called Dreamstar. So it's going to be launched in December. So, I mean, many like analysts, they have played very high expectation on the game because it's Tencent. But if we still look at the whole year among all genres, I have to say the anime style is still the single most popular genre. I mean, not only Mihayo, but also we can see many smaller size video game 
studios that are trying to do similar things. And uh, when I talked to some analysts earlier, so many of them have noticed that the companies that are good at making such anime style games are not the largest companies, but actually the smaller ones, because they are quite sensitive to the taste of players. And they said for this genre, the smaller studios have a better advantage than the big companies like Tencent and Alice. Hmm. So we've been talking about the successes so far, companies that are doing well in 2023. But you've also reported a few companies who've had to leave the Chinese gaming market in the past year, including the American company Blizzard. Can you tell us what happened there? Sure. So um, for many of the video game players, one of the biggest headlines from the beginning of the year is how Blizzard have dropped out of Chinese market because Blizzard with have a like 14-year license agreement with NetEase for seven of their titles, so which include StarCraft, World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, Overwatch. So all of these are so popular in the global gaming community. Um, the reason that Blizzard said they have to stop this license agreement with NetEase is that they cannot secure like a new agreement with NetEase under their like company principles. So this explanation is not not very clear to gamers, but as analysts have interpreted, the actual reason might be the two companies, they have some commercial disagreements. So maybe Blizzard is trying to have a, like, ask for a higher revenue share from Netis, because as we know, the two companies, they have an agreement, so they have um, to share the revenue. That's the reason that most people have interpreted. And so far, uh, there's no like official like update on how uh, whether Blizzard will come back to Chinese market. Although their like CEO, although their executives have highlighted, still the Chinese market is one of our most important markets. So we value Chinese players, things like that. But um, there's no like official promise whether they will come back. And I see maybe in the over past few weeks, there's Chinese media reports saying that maybe the company is trying to negotiate with new partners in China. And they reported that Tencent have live streamed the World of Craft on social media platform. But and still, that was an, a speculation of whether Blizzard will come back and we'll see if things, how things play out. And it's not just Blizzard that's left the Chinese market. You recently reported how a Chinese company also left the gaming industry. What's happening over there? I mean, for the most companies, this year is a better year because of the uh, more video game licenses and also they are able to launch new titles. So things are better. But uh, there's uh, one Chinese tech company, people in the West might know it is the owner of TikTok, which is ByteDance. So it announced to close uh, most of its projects, which have not yet been online in uh, last month. So it also uh, laid off at least hundreds of employees. And as far as I know, the whole unit called Nubus, has around 2,000 employees. So maybe a large percentage of their staff will be let go. And the reason that Biden decided to close down this video gaming business is that the whole global gaming industry is still under the pressure of economic headwinds. And also for Chinese big tech companies, they're trying to say we have to control our costs and also increase our efficiency. So not only Biden, but also other companies like Baidu, Bilibili, that are trying to cut down the business that they think are less profitable. So for Biden, 
evidence maybe this business is video gaming. It wants to maybe put more resources into TikTok or Chinese version called Douyin. Uh, my colleague Coco Feng, she also talked to the video gaming studio called Zencat in Chengdu, and the founder of the studio also shared his insights that he thought ByteDance have burned too much cash on hiring talent and promoting games over the past few years. So it started its video game business in 2017, and over the past years, it haven't been able to successfully launch any blockbuster titles like Genshin. So maybe that's why the company have to make that decision. You mentioned economic headwinds earlier. 2023 was also a year where China's economy has slowed down. There's deflation, really high unemployment rates, especially among young adults. So during this year, did people spend much money on games? Do we have any numbers on that? Okay, so I've tried to find if there's any figures on consumer spending, but I haven't been able to find any. But uh, my colleague Coco also knew from the founder of Zencat Studio that he feels that even though Beijing has resumed approval of new game licenses, but they just feel players cannot spend as much money as they could in maybe several years ago. So I think that's not only for video games, but also for other parts like consumer electronics, smartphones, people are also spending less. So that's a thing not only in video gaming, but also in the wider consumer market. We can't talk about China's gaming industry without discussing the tech war between China and the U.S. In October of this year, Washington announced another round of export controls. It restricted NVIDIA and AMD from exporting their GPUs to China. How is this affecting video game players in China? Does it affect them? I think when the export ban came out, it came as a shock for not only video game players, but also NVIDIA. I mean, the most important developer for graphic cards, they have a top spec game card called an RTX 4090. So it is um, the most advanced gaming cards from NVIDIA. And most players would think the card could be banned because NVIDIA have a document immediately after the ban was released. So they have listed the 4090 along with A800 and H800 that will be affected by the ban. So immediately after the ban was released, maybe the next day or the third day, so the price of RTX 4090 immediately like skyrocketed in Chinese uh, market. And I went to one of the market in Shanghai. So there are many merchants there. So and they told me that the price have already tripled that of Nvidia's original recommended retail price. So the cut could cost around 40,000 to 50,000 yuan, so which is as high as 5,000 or 6,000 US dollars per card. People think we might be, not be able to have these cards in the future. So we have better like stockpile these cards for future use. But since my change in the next few weeks, because first we have seen Nvidia have removed 4090 from one of its documents and also Nvidia have many like software partners for its cards. There's one called Asus and also one called MSI. So they have still put their 4090 cards on their official like Taobao stores. So there's not a very clear line in terms of whether 4090 will be affected. But still, if we look at the whole video gaming market, I would say it is not such a large thing for all of the gamers because the card is kind of a luxury product. 
for most video gamers. I mean, for myself, I'm still using a 3060 and my friend is using a 3080. So they are both like less advanced versions of 4090, but um, we can still play our like AAA video games, which is the games that require very high computer performance, but our current cards still uh, do well in the video games not for now. So, I mean, for most players, this, that's not a thing that they are. Uh, They're not too worried for now. Right, right. Got it. And let's turn to an event that happened a few months ago. In September, you went to the eastern Chinese city of Hangzhou to attend the Asian Games and its esports events. Can you tell us what you discovered? So actually, I bought a ticket myself to go to the Asian Games. I would say one of the most exciting things for maybe the young people in China is that esports have become the gold medal event during this year's Asian Games. So that means esports can be recognized as one of the traditional sports like football, basketball. And I, I have to say Chinese teams are doing a good job in the Asian Games. And there are seven games where we can see players competed for the gold medals. And China national teams have won four gold medals. So it's over half of the, all the projects. When I talk to the audience at the venue, so the venue is called Hangzhou Esports Center, so it's built just for the purpose of uh, hosting Asian games, although it might be used for other games in the future. But there's uh, at least tens of thousands of people come to the venue just for watch esports titles, and many of them are actually like children like, at their school age, like their primary school or uh, middle school. And one of the things that uh, really like impressive to me is that many of them come with their parents. So many parents, as we know, they have a maybe old way of viewing video games. They always think uh, children cannot play too many video games. They need to focus on their maybe school study. But there's at least like several parents I've talked to, they said they kind of can understand why children enjoy playing video games. And also because esports is now a like gold medal event at the Asian Games, so they can understand why, because also the country are also promoting esports. So they think it's a good thing maybe to take their children to experience the atmosphere of like maybe cheering for the players they want. So it's bringing more understanding among Chinese parents for like video games. And these kids who travel to Hangzhou, they're in elementary school, middle school. So the gaming ban applies to them, right? They can only play video games for a limited amount of time every week. Now that China has shown that it can win gold medals for esports, what's the government going to do about the gaming ban? Do they want to build up the next generation of esports players and maybe allow young kids to play more hours during the week? Or will the gaming ban remain in place? Um, sadly, we have to say there's already certain that the gaming ban will not change because of maybe Asian games or the popularity of esports. Um, that's because there's a, like, a long-standing tone among Chinese industry association officials that they're trying to draw a clear like divide between video games and esports. So in their official tone, like esports is a thing that it's a more of a, a sport event. So we can see players take part in these events and they're trying to win medals for the whole country. So it's a way that we can promote the soft power of China. But on the other hand, they are also trying to say that esports is completely different from video games. So esports players, they are different from those who maybe drop out of school and uh, stay at internet cafe just playing video games for a whole day. So they want to draw uh, different images between these two groups. But actually, as far as I know, many like 
professional players actually come out from internet cafes or because maybe their parents don't allow them to play at home. So that's a kind of paradox here. And I would say China is not giving more exemption for professional players for them to promote their skills. So some people want to become professional player. Actually, they have to start training maybe when they're very young. So it's already under 18. And what if they cannot play for more than hours a week? So one way that they can like bypass such system is that they will like rent or buy such accounts on the like gray market or some of them will like borrow their parents ID card in order that they can register as an adult for the game so they can like play with no time limit. So I would say for the professional players, their like training environment is not getting easier. So from your reporting, it sounds like 2023 is the comeback year for China's video gaming industry. More games got their licensing approvals. Games that got released this year have been really successful. And China is performing well in esports. That being said, what can we expect to see in 2024? Do we know if it'll be an even better year for the industry? I would say for the analysts I've talked to, so most of them would say 2024 is a better year because the video game licenses have been back to normal. That's the word used by many analysts and reports. So the market will maybe back to a growth, but the growth will, will never be as high as uh, maybe five years ago or 10 years ago or back to the double digit growth um, we've seen in the past. That's because many people will say the Chinese video gaming market is no longer a market for new players, but it's a market for existing players. So that means the big tech companies will face higher competition. So they have a higher bar for the quality of the games. So it's no longer the time that the video gaming population is increasing. So although we have over 600 million players now, but it barely grew from the same period last year. So, I mean, Chinese video gaming population is, uh, has stopped growing. So competition will be more um, fierce in the future. I mean, the market maybe is going to be better because of the regulatory issues. But uh, still, if we look at the future prospect, I mean, the growth is going to be slower. And that means that Chinese video game developers have to find um, no matter uh, whether new genres they can attract players or they have to find a new market, uh, maybe in overseas, like in Southeast Asia, that's one of the markets that many companies have been betting on. They have to find new ways to like fight for new users or existing users, but it's not going to be as easy as five or 10 years ago. But the next year is going to be better than this year and also last year. That was Anne Tao. You can find our latest articles at scmp.com. I'm Jasmine Se. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.